0: Ladies and gentlemen. Oh
1: my God! Hey, 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 hey. hey uh, <laughs> is okay. welcome. Recorded in. British Columbia. You're listening to Pacific Town Sound Radio. Hello and welcome to Pacific Sound Radio, your go-to source for everything happening in the Vancouver music scene. I'm James Olson, and our guest on this installment of Quarantine Edition is Colin Cowan of The Elastic Stars. The Elastic Stars are a psychedelic rock act in the vein of genre pioneers The Birds, Jefferson Airplane, and late career Beatles. Colin Cowan and his band have opened for national international touring acts, including Post Animal, Wand, Lightning Dust, and Destroyer, and played the H.R. McMillan Space Center for the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing in 2019. The band's fifth album, Music, that's spelled M-U-Z-I-K, is set for release August 25th, 2020. So, what have you been doing to keep yourself busy during the pandemic? And eh, nothing.
0: Well, I mean, I do spend a lot of time in the studio here. I've been producing... Um, they, the bass player in Elastic Stars, Jen Bohm, her solo record, a cool pop record we're working on.
1: That's awesome. And uh do you have an idea of um what's that gonna what that record's gonna sound like and potentially what oh, to it be coming out?
0: It's gonna sound great. It's gonna sound cosmic. It's gonna sound um like uh Cindy Lauper. It's gonna sound <laughs> like Janet Jackson, early nineties, hopefully. <laughs>
1: Nice. If we're luck, if we're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: but no, it's Jennifer is just incredible. Um, she barely sings in Elastic Stars because she loves playing bass, but her voice is one of the most magical voices in the city of Vancouver, Canada. So
1: that's awesome. Anyway, yeah, yeah, it's I'll...
0: a real, real treat.
1: Yeah. And I guess to just because of course we haven't had you on the on the show before. What led you to start? Elastic stars. I read in an interview with Vice you did back in twenty fifteen that you were in a few different groups before you started this project.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, sneak around playing the the bass in a lot of projects and then other other materials that people allow me to play. And then uh, <laughs> um so I play in Destroyer and play in Data Plan and play in uh, a bunch of other bands, toured Black Mountain for a while. But um I started Elastic Stars because I, like any uh, person who plays too much um, bass, you end up playing on piano and guitar in the background and writing your own songs. And I'd, I'd been writing songs on the guitar since I was about 11 years old. So I uh, had recorded a lot, but had never put out an alias. And Elastic Stars was sort of, it has sort of been my fruitful output that I'm allowed to express myself within.
1: You had mentioned you've had the opportunity to play with uh destroyer and black mountain. How did uh, you have the opportunity to play with uh, those groups?
0: <laughs> hey, y'all have to ask them. They, they had the per- perverse idea of asking me to come along with them. So, you know, I was just doing what I'm doing and, you know, those perverts decided to come and seek me out and ask me to be, be on the road with them for a while. I, I still tour with destroyer and, we're still working together all the time. Daniel and I are good friends.
1: Yeah, I was wondering about that, especially the amount of times that you've been able to play with Destroyer. It's a pretty uh, pretty handy connection to have, for sure.
0: Oh, it's a great project. It's such beautiful music to be a part of. So, Dan, you know, Daniel's always writing, too. And, you know, he's an inspiration to me, too. I'm always writing, so it's nice to connect with somebody like that. Daniel's a little bit older than I am, so I've, i have I inevitably look up to him. And then artistically, you know, obviously his output is something to internationally look upon
1: and admire. (laughs) Absolutely. And what were some of the lessons from your time playing in other bands that you've been able to apply to this group since this is your solo venture?
0: Well, most of my lessons were um, by the guitar players. Um, No, I'm just kidding. There's, Guitar players love to give you lessons. (laughs) Um, I'm a guitar player. I would know in this band. I'm giving people lessons all the time. The song goes like this. Life lessons. No, no, no. We're learning the song. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, but I mean, life lessons is um, make sure you enjoy music. You know, if you're going to make music, enjoy it. The, The music industry is nothing to, you know, Um, Do get too glitzy and glamoury about even when when you're in beautiful scenarios with lots of people, it's still, you know, a humble thing. And the most important part of it all is to make sure you love the music that you're making, you know, and don't regret the past, just always let it inspire the future.
1: Yeah, it's good, uh, it's a good nugget of wisdom for sure. And (laughs) (laughs) how would you describe the Elastic Stars sound?
0: Uh, I guess it's sort of a fluorescent cup of nostalgic soup. Um, it's it's a, kind of a satellite whisper from maybe um, some simple 60s and 70s rock and pop. And then it's got a little bit of new electronic and some whispers of, you know, I love all of the psych music that comes out of, that I've heard that comes out of Nigeria and Senegal and all over at West Africa. And, I, uh, Mali, and, you know, I definitely inevitably, I think, try to satellite some of that because it's so important and it's so rooted in the real satellites of where rock initially is birthed from.
1: I had a question actually about what artists and bands have inspired the music you make as Elastic Stars, but I am very curious you mentioning psychedelic music from West Africa, um, what are some of the, some of the acts that you've, uh, been inspired by and how would you, I guess, characterize West African psychedelic music? Cause I'm certainly not familiar with, uh, the style from that part of the world.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, Aminez, uh, Ebo Taylor, there's just so much soulful and psychedelic and, um, rock music, uh, Chrissy Zebby Tembo, Um, it's all, you know, it's also variable, just like music from anywhere else. You know, it can be just a Chrissy Tembo three-piece rock band. He's the drummer and he's singing and it's just beautiful, simple songs narrowed down, but so heavily rooted in the rock music all on its own though. It has that, um, undeniable, um, soul that comes from, um, that part of the world and, um, you know a lot of the stuff from like Ibo Taylor or Chrissy Tembo or you know, whoever else. It's you know like this. You start getting a lot more eminized. You get you know z- uh, a lot more synthesizer, meted, uh combined with rooted drum music and guitar music and you know simple bass lines, but playing riffs with the guitar. You know, it's like. You know that Zeppelin, you know, Jimmy Page heard this stuff. And if he didn't, he really missed out at that time because it was all going on around the same time. But, you know, we're a, a bunch of doofuses find it these days. And, uh, but luckily, some really cool festivals around the world still find some of those bands that are alive and bring them around. And because it was some of the best recordings you could find simple four track recordings, eight track recordings, quarter inch reel to reel, maybe a half inch if they were lucky, you know.
1: And this is, uh, all music that's uh, contemporaneous with what was going on in the 60s and 70s in England and in the States?
0: Well, uh, yeah, definitely. But it was just more about African pride and freedom over there and more of the political issues that were happening there and had a bit more because of its natural, um, maybe, um, obviously, you know, all the money in the in the music industry being in England and especially America and none of it being there, the recordings are so humble. So there's something just so extra creative about it. There's a real time going on, you know, not really, you don't hear ego. You hear music, you know, not to say I don't love all of the best pop music from the sixties, seventies and eighties. I love that smooth radio, but, um, there's just an extra, I would say, um, humility and it's an, uh, ego-free environment undeniably it sounds to me you know that's what i hear at least you hear music you hear a small you know 100 square to 500 square foot room um being recorded in and you know i can just imagine the late nights and all the laughs and the fights (laughs) just like anybody else who's in a band you know you become family
1: and is that something you try and capture it with your own recordings definitely yeah i mean
0: i i use uh Quarter inch reel to reel, you know, eight track, Tascam three eighty eight. You know, I record everything to tape. I've always got, I'm, you know, this. That's where I am right now in this small little room, and you know, I got my little booth back here. My, I'm right in front of my board here. My little reel to reel goes inside here, and you know, I record a quarter inch tape simply because I really like the simplicity of it all. Just making a choice and realizing you're playing music. Not, I love the digital recording environment, but I don't use it personally for elastic stars or the things that I produce from this studio. It's more of a commitment for whatever reason that excites me.
1: (laughs) Because it's, uh, there's obviously a lot more quirks and challenges that come with recording to tape is part of it. Just the excitement of like, once you put something down, you really have to commit to it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that.
0: Yeah. Moving on because you, I think, in that, in that headspace, you're a little bit more privy to the um, rewards that come from uh, voice in the moment. So, you know, if you, if you worry about little self-conscious things, you're forgetting about who you are. You know, the things that will naturally come out of you when maybe you let go, you know.
1: Elastic Stars are, of course, uh, one of a handful of active psychedelic rock bands in the Vancouver music scene. What do you think characterizes the sound of Vancouver psychedelia and what makes your group stand out from your contemporaries?
0: There's a lot of really good echoes to the 70s psych scene in Vancouver, but I think Elastic Stars tries to take snippets of that, but also tries to be really kind of more of a quieter band in general. Um, not trying to be in your face, but a ra- rather we can be in your face if you want to lean in and listen it's a bit more um, low aggro and a bit more perpetual uh, um, communication with the moon and sun. (laughs) I guess that's all the bands that, that last part's every band in Vancouver. So that's what the same, we're the same in that aspect.
1: Fair. From your experience, do you think there's something that characterizes psychedelic music from Vancouver or at least like the Canadian like Western Canada more than psychedelic music from other cities and locations.
0: I mean, I think there's so many, the psychedelic scene in Vancouver is so wide and variable, you even have free jazz and classical musicians that participate in projects that um, tiptoe on the outer sheath of psychedelic music. So, I mean, you know, I'd certain, I would certainly guess that there's people in Vancouver that know 10,000 times more about the Vancouver psychedelic scene that I do. You know, I mean, I, all I know is whenever I look around, I'm like, wow, this place is so cosmic, you know? Uh, I think I'm natu- I naturally play slightly psychedelic with confidence strictly because I'm in Vancouver, because I think it whispers in the walls of even pop music or hip-hop music or whatever else is being made in this city, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I keep on trying to make pop records, and it just keeps turning out psychedelic, so it must be something in the air.
1: Yeah, potentially. Um, The band has played a number of shows at smaller spaces, such as The Lido, Neptune Records, and China Cloud. What's your connection to China Cloud, and would you say you have a preference for a certain size or type of venue?
0: I mean, I I did some opening acts for Destroyer and Black Mountain and a few other bands, and I've played some big halls and theaters and around the world and in Vancouver, Vogue and things like that. But I like small venues because you can really make it sound like your album. You can make it really sound like the intimacy of listening to a record or tape and i really obviously as mentioned before enjoy that texture so um i like small venues i mean the china cloud studios is you know i i'm, I'm the mother at china cloud studios this this elastic stars productions this little studio that i'm in is in the building china cloud so i'm there right now and i really like that because it, it really this building was my introduction to kind of Vancouver, we accidentally on a whim needed a rehearsal space. And somebody had a friend who had just signed the lease here and they gave us a small studio at the back. And then, you know, it was just a place where we started a band called Analog Bell Service. And then eventually, you know, started putting on shows and then eventually this place became China Clouds. So for that reason, it's like, my second home. (laughs) It's been my most consistent home in Vancouver, but the Lido and other places like that, there's so many cool spaces. I mean, there's so many tiny house shows going. There's like a tiny house show. um, These uh, ladies had started. That sounds really cool. I haven't been able to make it yet, but there's such a cool, small venue and independent um, um, showcase and concert scene going on in Vancouver that, you know, that always feels really good to me. That feels really real because people are close and breathing and giggling and stuff. And there's something really funny about being like, you know, if you want a record here, just lean in. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Want a t-shirt? You want to, what's that? Oh, sure. Yeah. You want to sing in the mic? Come on in. It's something, there's something, something like Neptune records. You know, that's my favorite play. One of my favorite places in Vancouver to play. I love, I love all that gang. You
1: know, I imagine playing shows at China cloud, uh, Logistically, that's the easiest, Some probably some of the easier shows to to throw because all your gear is just there. Just the gear is here. Yeah. Grab whatever you need from the back. That's it. Last minute concert. Gears here. Gear on site. Plug and play. So when things become what, you know, when there's a vaccine and things are more or less back to normal when it comes to, you know, people playing shows and stuff like that, are you looking to normal? <laughs> I know loaded way to phrase it, but, um, are you looking to start doing shows again at China cloud when, you know, Oh, sure.
0: Comfort level to do so. Sure. People will definitely do shows at China cloud, you know, do small ones. Well, even if there's a 10 person concert, those are fun. We've done those in the past accidentally and they were great. So, you know, if we have to just put on six to 12 person shows, I mean, I was thinking about, doing that out in the park somewhere someday, you know, just why not have like a 12 person concert? (laughs) It's so fun right now, you know, but I have too much fun in the studio. I got to learn to stop being such a loner and a hermit. (laughs) This COVID thing has really made me a little too comfortable in here. You know, I get my fair share of sunshine, but you know, China cloud studios definitely put on shows. Maybe I just won't leave this room. I'll just still be in here wondering what's going on out there. Making lots and lots of music.
1: I have lots of space on these reels, James. There's lots of music to make. And lots of time to do it, it seems yeah. as well. It's That's kind of the, it. Yeah. It's the this in lieu of live shows, it seems to be the time for every musician to just be creating and writing and pumping That's out it. stuff.
0: Or they can do the thing they're second best at. They can sit in fetal position on a couch and stare at the wall for two hours, (laughs) wondering how it all ended up here, Uh, (laughs) which is extremely inspiring. I can tell you, I definitely made a couple of songs happen during this break because of that. It's great. You, everybody should do that. (laughs) I bet you Jeff Bezos does that. The the
1: fetal (laughs) position or the writing. (laughs) (laughs) Very good question, Uh. which there still is not an answer to oddly enough. He probably pays someone else to curl up in a fetal position for him. <laughs> I would definitely say he has
0: a fetal position person on his staff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What are you? I forget how to weep. What's that? <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you, what are you currently listening to? Me? Um,
0: I guess nothing too interesting. I mean, I'm still listening to Aminez and I'm still listening to a bunch of Sun Ra, but I mean, I was listening to mind games again this morning. Um, El Din is a really good, um, record. It's in a uh, Nubian Oud record, kind of classic for anybody who likes Oud, but if you've never heard it, it's it was kind of had a little bit of uh, run in the sixties in America, Nubian Oud music, Hel- Hamza Din, Al Oud is the record. Um, I guess I've also listened to Ravi Shankar and friends, you know, George Harrison helped produce it. And, um, yeah, I was also listening to, um, Steve Lacey. That that's pretty sick pop music. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Steve's great. I'm uh, quite a big fan of the stuff that he's been doing with, um, the internet. Yeah. Yeah. It's killer. Yeah. Everyone in that band is just super talented. So talented. I don't know. I've been listening
0: a bit more Beyonce again and Solange again. I don't know. Just listen to a bunch of stuff. Yeah.
1: Lots of time to be listening as well. Mind Games by Lennon. (laughs) Lodger, David Bowie, anyone? Anyone? You know, I haven't listened to that one nearly as much uh, as his other records. Um, I should get on that. It's a fun record. Mm -hmm. Speaking of records, the four records that you released as Colin Cohen and the Elastic Stars were a seasonal tetralogy with... Fall Paths coming out in 2013, Eye of Winter in 2014, Spring Myths in 2015, and Cosmos in Summer in 2017. What were the themes and ideas you explored on these four interconnected albums, and what drove you to release them in such quick succession? Oh, well, I felt like I was finally really connecting with myself, and um, I was going
0: through a lot of emotional things at that point, so whatever. You know, small-town problems. But I... uh each season basically represented, I I recorded fall paths because I had a, a collection of songs that was based around this first song I wrote called fall paths. And when I wrote it, I was like, Oh, I think I got through the fall of my emotional battle I'm going through here. And then I'm maybe I'm moving into winter. And then I just decided maybe if this works and I expel my winter stuff, maybe I'll start blooming like the flowers in spring. And then summer was all about, abandoning everything and getting over all of the emotional conflicts I have with the self, the art, getting rid of the, you know, almost too comedic senility of it all. And just letting everything that is in the sack of earthly problems go and allow myself to be able to soar off into the cosmos with no regrets if I need. So this, uh, this album music has been all about coming back from the cosmos and, uh, you know, just learning about the simple stuff from not looking, you know, too deep into things, learn about love and hate and learn about, you know, the different spectrums of love up to hate. <laughs> but most of it is about being, you know, nostalgic and and seizing the moment and really, you know, absorbing the most beautiful part about it. You know, whether it's the the beauty in heartbreak and or the beauty in longing or the beauty in lack of inspiration, which means usually you do want to come up with something, which is, or you do, you know, maybe you'd feel depressed, but you're like, you recognize you're depressed, which is good, which means you're at least not hiding it from yourself. You know, just being honest and not allowing perception of anyone or anything else around you get in the way of kind of allowing yourself to be you. And, you know, as long as you're interested in open, expressing freely and kindly finding, finding the best route to love.
1: So, in a way, the those first four records were kind of like an exorcism of sorts, and this latest record's more, I guess, the an untethered expression. It's the abandoning of myself, yeah. It's the abandoning of the self.
0: There's no capital I's on this record.
1: Oh, yeah, and I even noticed that with the song title, which is what, or uh, album oh. title, I think, if you stylize yeah. it with, like, a lowercase I. Yeah, that that's... Yeah, spiraled on, on
0: meaning. Didn't mean to, but anyway, it's the idea of abandoning the self. So
1: lowercase size. One thing I also noticed was that your new LP, Music, is coming out three years after Cosmos in Summer, uh, which is your longest gap between records. In what way have you benefited from taking this extra time off?
0: I was, I, I got to just have fun in the studio. I had no, this wasn't planning that this wasn't me planning to record an album. I truthfully felt like I had left earth and abandoned all my earthly problems behind. So I was just kind of floating and having fun in the studio whenever I wanted. And, you know, eventually that was almost three years, you know, almost to the date. So it was uh, me just playing in the studio with no intention of having a record, just recording till eventually I had a lot of music and was like, well, I could take some of this and make an album. And there was definitely a big string of growth throughout a period of it, which is basically what ended up on the music as the final collection, um, as the album music.
1: How many songs would you say you wrote during this three year period and of that group uh you felt that you need to release later or probably revisit and what songs did you feel were best suited for the release
0: i guess i maybe recorded about 30 to 40 songs and then um maybe like five or six of them i'll put out later on on something else and the other ones you know they at least if they're if there's very little on them, they can be used for something eventually, because they could be minimal with some (laughs) ridiculous late night vocal recording and some strange synthesizer backbeat. So those are always useful for later on in life. Um, other than that, you know, um, the, the ones that got chosen, um, were basically with the reason that I record, as I said earlier, everything to analog tape and it's the, I, but I also, I've kind of abandoned the, um, neurotic idea of everything needing to be listened to on tape and vinyl and i've really started to enjoy my playlists and i've come to terms with what (laughs) all these monstrous companies that take all of the music uh, money away from artists i've come to terms with it and been like well whatever a lot of people listen music's different these days anyway and playlists are cool i mean if that's how it goes that's kind of cool we can listen to tons of music and learn so much whatever don't fight it just I mean, you can fight it. All the power, too, who wants to fight it? I think it's great. But also, you know, I was like, well, if I like listening to old recordings of people that never made enough money and now they're finally getting their day where the whole world gets to listen to them and still not getting their money, but I like the idea of the tape coming through a digital process, I was like, why don't I just choose my favorite songs from this that have been inspired by all my favorite playlists I've decided to, you know, go into the belly of the beast and listen to and enjoy and make my own recordings of a playlist on tape that is made only for the digital setting and not to be listened to on record or tape, which is sort of what this, this is kind of the algorithmic sectors of my brain, putting together a uh, fun playlist. So the album's kind of all over the map.
1: (laughs) I was going to say it's, uh, it is kind of a bit of a double-edged sword with the, with, streaming services and and whatnot. On the one hand, thanks to the internet, every band who plays any sort of niche genre can create some sort of following because there's music out there for, for everyone. But yeah, the, at the same time, we're stuck in this position where artists, the only way that uh, career musicians can make any money is by touring, and now we're in a position where that's not an option for a little while.
0: Yeah. You know, the home studio is, uh, is a luxurious thing. All the bands out there that have no access to studio space, you know, I feel so blessed because this is a very rough time to stay inspired. And you know what, so many people in so many different parts of the world that involved that are involved in whatever part of their life, um, is involved in music are being so creative with this, you know, cause as you say, it's challenging enough as it is, but you know, luckily, as I said earlier, it's all about making sure you enjoy it because that's the whole point. You can't really expect anything from anything. If you get a big audience, hey, kudos to you. That's great. You know, no matter what the music is, that's a wonderful thing to connect on that kind of a scale. But, you know, otherwise, just make sure you're enjoying it because if that's all you're doing it for, it's going to
1: get old quick. I think there's, um, oh, where have I heard this? I can't remember the source, but I know there's a, a great line that, that uh, says if you do any activity you're passionate about long enough to the point where you hate it, you're officially a professional. Was, <laughs> exactly. Always, always thought it was a funny line. Hey, there's lots of parts of
0: music I don't like anymore. You know, my, my, um, I don't like to play bass as much anymore and just like random bands. That's for sure. I pretty much don't do that anymore, but I feel very happy that I had a period where I was wanting to do it and I got to do it. And you know, it's really important to realize that you shouldn't be taking up space because there's people out there who really want to do it. And there's no point in being negative on the scene. You know what I mean? I never was, but I just, you know, felt like I could have been if I didn't listen. But there's lots of parts of music I still love. I love playing, you know, bass in some bands. Like, I'd have a great time, you know? And I love playing music in lots of different scenarios, you know? So, but just, it's good to make sure you don't, you don't ignore that stuff, you know? (laughs) There's a lot of grumps out there in every industry, whether it's uh, education or politics or music.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's a matter of, I guess, ignoring the <laughs> ignoring the grumps or just like, you know.
0: You got to, because yeah. it'll ruin it for everybody else. You can crush a, crush a shining star, you know, at an early stage because of a grump, a grump or two. You know what I mean?
1: Yep. Um, let's see. Oh, this is something I noticed with this new record. Um, up until music your latest release all of your music has been put out under the name colin cohen and the elastic stars what made you, colin, yeah that's right yeah what made you decide to go with the name elastic stars going forward
0: well colin Cowan and the elastic stars Cowan, i guess thank just you.
1: oh it's fine every everybody calls me cohen um
0: but um yeah colin calvin and the elastic stars was um Just something that kind of accidentally happened. And then I was like, well, I guess my name's already on it, but I didn't like it. The idea of Elastic Stars was originally written from a song back when I was like uh, 20 or 21. And I decided I was going to write a song about a gang of artists that did lots of different things and moved flexibly from one thing to the other, you know, and... They also made music in the nighttime, and people thought they were creepy and weird, but they were really gentle and nice and were into lots of different things. They weren't just into rock and roll. And then eventually I was like, hey, that could be my band. What if the story came true? So I just named the band after that song. Anyway, so now we're the gang of misfit misfit artists that come and go. There's always rotating different members. I record all the music myself um, in the studio, so... Once in a while, you know, someone might come and sing with me because I just love singing with the band. But i it's usually just a lonely project with me in the studio. And so that's why the band is always kind of like Jen's always in it and Johnny's in it and Joshua Zubat's in it, you know. But there's other people that come and go and are probably going to come come for some shows in the future and stuff, you know it's meant to be flexible, collaborative.
1: So, who currently makes up your live band and how do they help bring your songs to life on stage?
0: Well, you know, they all all of them understand the value and the beauty of an album and the value and the beauty of a live show, and you can make the live show sound like the album if you want, but you don't have to, which is kind of the beauty that the music is all written specifically to be to be kind of two different entities that satellite to one another. So, Johnny Payne is a definitely a musicologist and an understander of um, a lot of grand drum beats and the best 60s and 70s rock music. So, And he's a good singer, and so he sings and understands the music very clearly and how it should be performed live, but he also understands the quirks and the important parts of a tape recording. And Joshua Zubat is a monster of of violin and electronics who wants to just who's willing to play anything else if I ask him to. He'll play guitar, or piano. He's like, I don't know how, but I'll play it. And Jennifer is just a super time bomb rhythm machine who just pretends she kind of plays bass, but she's like Charles Mingus jammed into, you know, a cool Jewish therapist's body. And she's, a, uh, she's just an incredible beam of light who's stoic and humble. And, you know, when you're not looking, she'll make you think it's Aretha Franklin behind you. If she starts singing, it's incredible. (laughs) So that's the, that's the band. They just understand records music and they know how to, how to have a fun time and they know how to use their own voices on all of their instruments. And, and they're all willing to have fun or tell me to go to hell and that they're not going to play something. They're going to say, I'm not playing it. I'm going to do this. And you're like sick.
1: That sounds sick. That's great. (laughs) Sounds like you got a great crew.
0: They're a great krill. The elastic stars are extremely elastic stars.
1: For each record you have released, I understand that you you know, you do the majority of the recording by yourself, with the notable notable exception of Spring Myths, which was produced by Malcolm Biddle of uh, the Art Rock group Data Plan. How has your approach to record to the recording process evolved with each release and what did you do differently with your new album?
0: Well the collaboration with Malcolm was during our was during a period where we were putting out Data Plan, our first record, and he had re- produced um, every song on those on that seasonal tetralogy um, collection. E- the every one of those records has a secret song at the end, and the secret song at the end of the second uh, um, installment, "I um, of Winter," the secret song was recorded by Malcolm with the Taskin 388 by Malcolm and Matthew from uh, also from Data Plan. Um, and so when I did, the, I, I did the first two as, you know, fun ways to experiment. I did it on 24 track, uh, two inch tape up in the same studio. We did the first data plan record. I did that with Eye of Winter, Fall Paths. I just kind of did on some tape and and computer and ran a couple little recordings around. But then Spring Myths with Malcolm was the one that really made me harness what I wanted to do. And that was, like I said, I have the same machine as him. We both use a Tascan 388 quarter inch tape recorder, um, eight track. And luckily I found one a few years later, but when we did that record with Malcolm and we just, he just did all the things I wanted to do when we had our hands on tape and putting tape machines through tape machines and, you know, cutting in and doing weird stuff, putting things reverse, having just the time of our lives, I was inspired and, Realized I really do love recording, and I do love report. I love hands-on tape recording. So from that point on, I did Cosmos and Summer on my own machine, Task 388. After finding my own, and then getting good enough to record it myself, and then this last album was basically or this. This next album is basically me finally feeling like I understand how, all of the sounds I want to make all the time, and you know, going for those, but still learning new sounds all the time. (laughs) So I, I I feel like the, this is definitely the amalgamation, as I said, of abandoning myself, abandoning the capital I and replacing it with a lowercase I and allowing, you know, the small I to walk into a a recording unit and allow myself to express freely and concisely, but also know that it's going to, tell me who I really am when I hit playback.
1: One thing I noticed while listening through your back catalog is that you incorporate a mix of organic drums and drum machines with some songs featuring little, if any, percussion. Um, Is this mix of styles done for purely practical purposes, depending on your access to equipment, or is there an artistic decision attached to what type of percussion belongs with each song? Or with which song, I should say.
0: Whoa. Okay. Deep cut. Well, I mean, you know, it always just not to be boring, but usually it's just depends on what I'm listening to at the time. Usually if I'm, I listen to a lot of music, but I definitely hang out with a lot of people who listen to a lot better music. And a lot of times I'm in scenarios with people playing inspiring things. And I say, Whoa, what is that? What band is that? And then I just hear something like, What is that drum recording? I have to go and listen to it. And then I want to do an impression of that somewhere in the future. So, you know, I was all drum kit, listening to jazz at one point a lot. I was into jazz records, but also into psych records, you know, somewhere between Charles Mingus and like Led Zeppelin. And then, you know, for maybe Fall Paths is probably where I was. But now I'm just kind of like, you know, into everything. Like, I like what. Kendrick Lamar does and I love what Ringo Starr does you know what I mean and I love what my friend Millie Hong this local like sick oh I guess she lives in Montreal now drummer does though like you know all these everybody huge and everybody who are just like kind of up and comers or people that don't people you know everybody in between just the amalgamation of the proof of like the Brian Brian Eno age of anything can be drums you know put it on this casio sk1 there there's your drum beat you know what i mean say the word the and then your drum beat can be the 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 or you can get like you know pay sixty-five thousand dollars for some drummer who supposedly recorded on a beatles record to come in and do a drum roll or (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) you know it's all sick it's just about you know it's a matter of what what is appropriate and you know i like my little space so i get to do everything that You know, I think, you know, I can pretend I'm all that stuff. That's all I ever do is just try on different masks and go, I'm Ringo Blotty Star. Or I go, you know, "Uh, I wish I was Kendrick Lamar. Uh,
1: We've referenced it a few times that you, all your recordings, all the music cues you've released as Elastic Stars has been, you know, recorded to analog tape. On a sonic level, what do you like about recording to tape?
0: Um, I like that you can push your creativity to a place that might peak sonically but the tape will make sure it hugs it and it'll always sound good on that on that medium it's a really nice it's a really nice um it's a really nice big slab of butter for all things sound that's what i like about analog tape the only other cool thing about it i would say is the fact that you know you you have your archives i don't have to worry about A computer getting coffee spilled on it, you know what I mean? If I spilled coffee on my tapes, you know, which are stored far away from coffee, even still I could still have a chance at, you know, drying them out and having all the music still on them. You know, it's a cool, it's a cute cool it's a very cool that's K E W L um version of archiving.
1: Literally physically
0: there. It's physically there. It's cool. It's cool to look for your collection and go, oh, my God,
1: that's there? What would you say makes your new LP music stand out from your past discography? And what are you hoping fans get out of the record?
0: I hope that uh, people can just listen to this album, like I said, um, with a lot of enjoyment from the next room. And if they decide to soak it in stereo and headphones um, to really get to know it, that they'll still listen to it with uh with fresh ears every time and just remember they can dance to it and enjoy it it's just meant to be a playlist that you can stream and enjoy if you feel like it so
1: you've shared the stage with a number of international touring acts we've talked about mentioned destroyer and black mountain a few times and you're one of a select number of bands that have played the HR McMillan space center. What was it like playing the planetarium on the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing in. Are you kidding me? What are
0: you kidding me? Yeah. The 50 year anniversary. Yeah. It was like being a a seven year old. Uh, It was like your dream coming true. You, you get to basically sing to the stars during an educational show about the cosmos, you know, it, It was something really cool because it was rock and roll. You could be on mushrooms if you want, but you could be nine years old and just there for 100% education and inspiration about how um, fragile the earth is and how small we are, which is, you know, it's so important to professionally reflect on that with everything that's happening in this entire world at all hours of the day, ever changing. It's so important to remember, you know, how what size the grain of salt everything we're dealing with is, you know. I mean that that show just you know like I say sorry about the rant there but my gosh that was such a fun night.
1: <laughs> no the the uh, the excitement's palpable and did you have a chance <laughs> to to see the documentary that they released last year? No I haven't no nobody told me. Ooh I told you I have been living under a rock. You should check it out if you haven't already. It's, I will de- media I'll check it out
0: tonight. It, yeah. Where can I find is that just on their website?
1: Um, I mean I'm sure you'll be able to acquire it hopefully legally, but I'm sure you can acquire it by other means as well. Um, Well, I'll buy it. I'll I'll buy it. I mean, I would love, I would happily support it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You could probably buy it as a digital download on the website. I know it was produced by, I want to say CNN films or something like that, but
0: I've learned about them over the years. I would love to see that. I didn't, I did not realize that that was going on. So yeah. yeah,
1: I made a point of seeing it at the, at the Rio last year and it was, it was incredible. It really blew my mind. It's just, uh, thinking about the fact that we made it to the moon in the late 60s
0: it's absolutely it's 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 also very you know it's yeah it's absolutely a crazy thing because of the fact that money has been put in so many places in this world and it has always been a um, uh, a subject of conflict definitely about all the money that was spent for why do you to get on the moon. But nevertheless, it is definitely a cool organization, NASA, and everything these days. And, it, you know, it's definitely extremely inspiring that humans naturally are, all things aside, interested to learn more about space. <laughs> Even from when we had barely, you know, the technology that would have, would none of us. Today, we can understand how we can get to the moon just because of all the crazy things we have around us all the time. But back then, just imagining A way, a physical way to get to the moon is absolutely marvelous in 1969.
1: Yeah, and that's what what threw me off the most was just the margin of error being so slim that it's it's miraculous that they made it there and they made it back and everyone (laughs) survived. They spent a lot of money doing that.
0: That was a lot of money in the US for doing that. But it's incredible because think about all the things that led to, you know, we're experiencing it every day. We're experiencing it This moment, James.
1: Yep. Just the, yeah, just the, you you put enough money into it and you can create a lot of innovation.
0: (laughs) Russia, you know, all of their initial, all their trailblazing. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Space, space is the place. The final frontier. Jean-Luc Picard. (laughs)
1: A... This is a...
0: Amen. Yes. yes. <laughs> Let me finish that sentence for you. Exactly. Jean Luc Picard.
1: Yep. A number of your music videos and promotional clips feature you know, a goofy, tongue in cheek sense of humor. And I understand you have a background in stand up and sketch comedy. Uh, how have you been able to use this skill set towards the promotion of the Elastic Stars music? Well, James, I
0: think a lot of things out there are humorous. So being out in public in general, I'm seeing about
1: 14
0: sketch comedy shorts at once most days. So. To be able to make a song, an a album collection with twelve to sixteen tracks, gives me a a lot of opportunity to uh, carve out musical visuals, uh, videos, and and skits uh, in rhythm, which are you know it, it marries the um, two parts, the Gemini force for good. Uh, so if I if I combine music and laughs, I feel that. Um, I feel like that is a uh, innocent enough thing to offer.
1: <laughs> and are you still pursuing comedy stuff on on the side while you're also working on music?
0: Uh, that's none of your damn business. I believe this interview is supposed to be about music. It'd be about both.
1: Yeah, I still do some comedy. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, a, a little bit. Yeah, quite a, quite a lot. Mm. I'm doing it right now, actually. Technically, yeah. <laughs> I'm always doing it. I'm always like this oh this isn't funny (laughs) oh this isn't funny okay yeah
1: (laughs) i'm laughing it's okay um you've released two singles along with two new music videos from the record what do you have in the works to promote the release um
0: i completely forgot uh um right now i've just been putting it out pretty humbly there's um a couple of very cool music videos coming on. I'm coming out that I've been collaborating with some really fun comedians and filmmakers in Vancouver with. And uh, yeah, you know, not touring originally there. We were going to, we were originally planning a tour, but you know that none of that's in the works now. So yeah, we might do like a secret show somewhere down the line, but I love the idea of just keeping it to the internet right now and making videos. So we've got a whole bunch of those coming out as as uh, we lead it up to August 25th.
1: Do you have any plans to do like a live streaming show or something like that? A few artists have been kind of jumping on that in lieu of live shows.
0: Yeah. And I, I really commend those artists for doing that. I think it's so cool, but I'm not sure if we're going to end up doing like a a live streaming concert strictly because I'd rather people listen to the album rather than, um, you know, something through their computer speakers of uh, some translation of a cool sounding room maybe, but (laughs) we all know what happens when it hits the wall. So there's ways to make it sound good, but I, 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 I like the idea of people just listening to the album as the celebration. I know it's humble James, but it's a
1: modern world and I for one like it. Exactly. You can just do what you want when it comes to putting it out, but that's cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do in terms of the, uh, the, the videos you have coming out. Sounds like. Oh, there's... we're beer.
0: we're very excited about these videos. We're having a laugh every day working on these things. Yeah. We've been having a lot of fun doing it safely, doing it safely and doing it, you know, distanced. And it's really been a fun way to kind of get creative with those limitations.
1: Absolutely. And what, local bands or artists would you recommend we bring on the show for a future episode
0: oh my gosh whoa i didn't think you'd ask i mean if you can get marshall allen next time he comes through town <laughs> um have you had um book club in yet i just saw a cool song from them
1: no not yet that's cam blake's band right am i i don't know i, I don't know any of them i just okay. yeah
0: i just my friend um recommended it um the guy tim clap who's tim who's who's label they're on and then you should also have give have you had Walgren on your show yet? No, not yet. Oh, you should to. have Walgren in. Yeah, she's um on our latest data plan release. We j put out a new record um a couple of months ago. Uh Walgren is collaborating quite heavily on that on a lot of the backbeat. Um and her new music has been incredible. I've only gotten to collaborate her with her a couple of times, but I definitely would have been asking her to do a concert with Elastic Stars if we were having a uh release show because she, I think she's really cool and creative and Oh, she's just hilarious and intelligent.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye out to see if she's got some new music coming out uh, this year for sure. But I think... uh,
0: She's been doing some stream, or I saw her do like a live thing. I don't know if she streams, but I know she's done a couple of live things and she's putting stuff out right now or she's working on new stuff,
1: it looks like. It sounds sick. Anyone else you'd recommend we bring on the show?
0: Uh, You should bring up... um, this bass player in this really cool band, Elastic Stars. Uh, her name's Jennifer Bohm. Jen Boehm. Uh, somebody has got to learn about this music because so far, the few people that have heard a tiny whispers of it can't believe what she's doing. And it's going to definitely be worth something talking about.
1: So. Do you have uh, an idea of when her record might be coming out? Uh, maybe sometime, um, maybe sometime
0: just before the new year or just after the new year. It'll be somewhere around there. We're getting close. We've been working on it for, uh, close to a year, I guess, 11 months or
1: something. Cool. Well, I'll definitely circle back with you on that. See if we can, we can have her on the show.
0: Oh, you've got to, you have got to, um, and maybe, I don't know, you have Don Pemberton on this. I'm not uh, familiar with Dawn, actually. Oh, Don Pemberton? She's sick. You should get her on here. She is a soulful, sick singer in Vancouver.
1: What's her style?
0: I guess she sings, uh, what, some soul? Maybe some Motown and, and some funky stuff. But it's pretty soulful. I don't know. Uh, maybe a bit of R&B. She's uh, actually maybe quite a bit of R&B. I've just seen, you know, I, I know her from um, just some solo up performances but i know her band is what she usually does and any little clips or any of the recordings i've heard of her they're all pretty upbeat beautiful soulful r&b tunes man she's great don pemberton i'm sure people who listen to this are like yeah don pemberton james come on get around
1: here Tarek, get him on i don't know all fantastic suggestions and yeah i think don would be another uh great guest to totally just especially to for me to mix it up in terms of the different she's great guess we have on the show yeah oh yeah there's so much music in vancouver people forget you know
0: i've been wanting to check out euro nukusi too he's been doing some cool stuff has a new studio but he's mainly um sort of west african percussion style music but i met him back when i first moved to vancouver and once in a while see he's up to no good making a bunch of cool music
1: and how can listeners check out your music and keep up with everything you're up to Um,
0: Well, Elastic Stars can be found at ElasticStars.com or anywhere else on the World Wide Web. Usually, if you're interested, we're there. You can find us just like everyone else. In fact, you know what? Ignore ElasticStars.com. I got an even better
1: website for you. (laughs) Google.com. Elastic stars and that's just add elastic stars for all of your, for like Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Elastic stars. Yeah. And then, you know, we're, we're scattered around in some record stores around the globe, you know, scattered though.
1: Mm. (laughs) And then you said the new record music's coming out on August
0: 25th, August 25th. That's a Tuesday. That's a day you can use day talking Tuesday, muse day that's music by elastic stars tuesday august 25 sit back relax find a little grassy hill to lie out on the sun ought be shining or maybe it's moonlight you're into but put the headphones in and listen to music by elastic stars
1: thank you colin this has uh, been a lot of fun i think we will call it at that
0: peace james peace
1: James. Yeah. Thank you, Really nice talk. So nice talking to you. You too. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, James Olson. Pacific Sound Radio is produced by Mark Lingelbach. You can check us out on Facebook at Pacific Sound Radio, Instagram at Pacific Sound Radio, Twitter at Pacific S Radio, YouTube at Pacific Sound Media. Our website is pacificsoundradio.com, and you can also check us out wherever you stream your podcasts. If you like the show, there are a few different ways you can support it. You can give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice that lets you leave reviews. You can share this podcast on your social media, and you can recommend the show in person from a safe social distance to your friends, family, and coworkers. If you know a local band or artist that you think should appear as guests on our show, let us know. Fill out the form on our website or send us an email to talkpsr at gmail.com.